Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to the Pod Control Podcast. We are back at full strength this week. Tyler, good to have you back after uh, after missing you out last week. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I listened in and uh, heard you talking about my my travels. Uh, luckily, this time they were they were not work related, so I got to take a little bit of time off uh, and get somewhere a little warmer. But uh, glad to be back. Yeah, we had a good we had a good talk about Helm last week, and uh, good to have you back. Um, this week we're gonna we're gonna dive into another topic that uh, coming out of KubeCon was just I mean tons and tons of interest in it, tons of buzz about it, and uh, very excited to have uh, Christian Posta joining us today. Christian's chief architect, uh, cloud application development at Red Hat. You know, kind of a colleague of ours, but somebody who is really really well known in this space. Christian, uh, glad to have you on the show. Awesome, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. So. You've been uh, you've been around. You're sort of not new to the to to this space. Give folks a, a sense of you know up you know, prior to kind of all the work you're doing now around service meshes and Istio and stuff. Kind of give folks some of your background in terms of uh, you know what you've been doing as a developer, developer frameworks, kind of the books you've been involved with. You've been very heavily around kind of making developers more successful for a long time. Yeah, that's kind of where my passion is. I have a background in. Um, I guess in the old SLA days and integration and enterprise messaging and, and so on. So I've, I've worked on projects like Apache ActiveMQ, Apache Camel, um, and, and, and using those, those tools to help build large-scale distributed systems at, uh, at our enterprise customers. Uh, but as, as containers have hit the scene and container orchestration systems have kind of changed the way we look at Deploying our applications, so too that gives us the opportunity to to sort of uh, maybe step back and 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 find the right way to um, build our applications themselves. So the a lot of the problems that we've solved or had to solve in the past, these are these problems don't just magically go away in terms of in terms of how the applications integrate and and send messages to each other um but they're the, the technology that we can use to solve them is evolving and and there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in that space so very cool um so to start start with some basics here um you know i we we did a previous uh, episode talking a little bit about uh, service meshes and kind of what they are um but as a development paradigm um, why are we seeing things like Istio, Envoy, and service meshes, microservices uh, sh- start to really take off in the container space? Um, well, in, in the, the the container space, it it makes it, it helps us deploy our applications a lot quicker, and it gives us isolation between the different components and modules in our system. But now these these systems still need to these services need to talk to each other, and they need to exchange messages and exchange. Um, data between them and we've we've kind of been doing that at the application level for quite a while um well i mean i mean so that's that's sort of those are some of the quote-unquote microservices best practices that we've heard talked about from the companies like netflix and and maybe facebook and google and some of those uh twitter is another good example that uh, you know they they've had to solve these problems in 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 the application space um, but as we, you know, with, with, with containers coming out on the scene and to be able, the ability to deploy multi sort of polyglot services, the language specific and framework specific approaches to this problem, they, t- they start to show their drawbacks where 
at like Google or Amazon, they could say, well, you're only using two different programming languages and we're going to build this sophisticated tooling into the languages and those are the only two you're going to use. Um, you know, with, with microservices and, and the way enterprises are looking to adopt new technology, that, that is, that, that's going to, that's going to hold them back. I think that's going to become a, an issue. So, um, containers, uh, being able to run multiple languages, multiple frameworks inside those containers and have the abstractions to do deployments and, and uh, health checking and that kind of stuff baked into the, into the container, uh, platform. Now we're looking for solutions to those same problems that are also kind of uh, polyglot agnostic. That I mean, that makes sense. You know, like you said, the you know building it into the language, kind of pulling that out and doing it separately to uh, make it also more repeatable. And you know, you, you might have you know companies with engineers that are that are good enough to write microservices, but they may not um, want to spend a lot of time you know reinventing these things that that were built previously. So so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> What's interesting is. <laughs> That that is a very there, there, there's a little bit of a struggle there because in some cases they do that the developers might want to just because you know we're we're sort of uh, want like solving just difficult problems right but developers are also probably one of the most expensive resources that uh, especially these enterprises have and they would be better served for the business to be writing differentiating business logic right? yeah. so even even though they might. I I I've definitely worked with and and uh, and ch- chatted with developers who are who are super excited about this space and they would love to rewrite all this stuff. <laughs> um, that but but so I guess that there there is a, a small little struggle there too where they they should they, they shouldn't be they you shouldn't need to you shouldn't have to think about these types of things um, to the extent that we can make distributed systems boring we should be we should be doing that and using our our resources to to differentiate. No, that that's that's a good clarification. Yes, the uh, the developers, the people paying the developers, uh, don't want them spending time. With us. The developers would love to, uh, yeah, and, and definitely we've seen a lot. Of that was we were talking about when we were talking about the uh, open service broker. The fact that uh, the community came together and said, "Hey, this thing that already exists, let's reuse this." Was yeah. kind of a uh, getting technologists to do that's kind of a, kind of a, a rarity. Yeah, um, yeah. On that on that we're so you know. These these this concept, like you said, you know, building these uh, different components, these applications, having them talk to each other, you know, connecting services, uh, sounds a lot like uh, enterprise service buses. And I remember being like, oh, we're gonna have this, all the apps will talk to this enterprise service buses. What's yeah. how's this similar? How's it dis- different? Um, how what's, um, what's going on here? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think uh, a, a similar a similar juxtaposition happens when you look at SOA and microservices. Uh, I think a, a lot of the spirit behind the the idea there was was sound. Uh, the way that, um, for various reasons, it, it got implemented and put into practice ended up not yielding the benefits that we were looking for. Uh, I think um, some of the, the the drawbacks to what we did with the ESB was we said let, let's you know we'll we'll handle this networking this application level networking stuff for the developers, but We'll also do kind of complex transformations and business business aware mediations, and and so we ended up putting a lot of the business logic that may may have been better served to be just in the services themselves and distributed that across uh, you know a centralized team. And when whenever you have these big like integration competency centers and centralization of this type of uh, 
of logic and networking concern, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of overhead and governance in in terms of turning around any changes. So that you know, in ter- you know, if we look at microservices and the opportunity that we have with cloud to be able to build our applications faster and or change them faster, this this sort of centralized bottleneck in terms of changing business logic is, is is sort of the opposite of what we're trying to do. So I think from a, from a high level, yeah, there, there are some similarities in trying to transparently handle the network traffic. Um, but, on, uh, you know, we, we should be very mindful and watch out that the service mesh doesn't go down the path of, uh, of in implementing too many complicated business functions, business level functions inside uh, the mesh itself, which these technologies have a tendency to, or, or uh, maybe, maybe even vendors have a tendency to, to bring that, bring it in that direction because, yeah, it seems to provide value, but in the end it's, uh, it, it creates bottlenecks. Yeah. So we're, you know, I, I think we've, we've talked, like I said, we, we talked about this previously. You've mentioned it, you know, we're getting to a point where, like you said, um, different development groups sometimes want to use different languages, different frameworks. Um, we're seeing the value in saying, let's decouple that from out of the framework. Let's sort of make it more of a platform service, um, you know, take advantage of what Kubernetes can do, take advantage of, of what like an Istio and an Envoy can do from a platform perspective. And then give us a sense of what are some of those things that, um, you know, are now kind of moving into these services, into, into Istio, into Envoy. What, what types of things can, can applications take advantage of, um, you know, in terms of trying to implement uh, distributed services, better business logic and so forth? I think the, there's, there's a couple of big, quick wins that, that as developers we can, we can take advantage of. The first one is going to be just basic resilience, applic- or, uh, yeah, application-level resilience. How do we make calls over the network and understand that the network is highly uncertain, that you know, calls could fail in weird ways that we don't understand, they could be delayed and slowed, um, and we, we wouldn't really be able to tell the difference between is it the is it the network that's slow, is it the service on the other side that's slow? If there's a failure, where did it happen? Um, these types of things, otherwise, we'd have to build in in library support for. Um, so, so things like timeouts, retries, uh, circuit breaking, these types of basic resilience. Um, functionality is very, we we could take advantage of that pretty quickly. Other things like load balancing, um, choosing the right right, uh, service instance to talk to, depending on where it is, maybe where where it's deployed, these, you know, how how long these service instances are taking to respond. So so load balancing type, type, type functionality that we we saw we see in in language frameworks like like in Finagle, Twitter Finagle, or um, Netflix um, Ribbon, these client side load balancer type things, and then and then things like metrics collection and uh, observability, things like uh, distributed tracing, can can be offloaded into into the service mesh, into the platform, um, and these these provide massive massive. Uh, gains for developers. Yeah. And, and if, as somebody's thinking about this, they're thinking about, you know, 
call routing between services and um, interaction between services. Can, can you give us at a high level, because this would probably you know, become a, a very deep conversation, but can you give us at a high level, like what's the difference between sort of what that's doing and, and when people sometimes talk about API management or, or APIs between services, like are those really two very different functions or, or is this, you know, is, is there sort of this intersection between, you know, inter microservice APIs and, and what a, what an is, what a service mesh is trying to do? Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple, couple of things there. There's the, the routing control and the routing aspects of it that I'm, I'm pretty excited about because this is something we've heard. Um, well, let me, let me back up a sec. So at places like Amazon and Facebook, you hear that, well, they're deploying like, I don't know, however million times a day or whatever the number is, is now, but they're, they're, they're doing these deployments, they're low risk, they're, um, you know, they're able to do A-B testing and these seemingly very complicated uh, deployment strategies. And, you know, we, on, on the other side, I would say in the, in the enterprise, we, we, I haven't seen very much of that at all. And we've, you know, the, some of the enterprises have gotten to containers and, de- and deployment and some very basic API management, and st- but they still don't have that, f- that level of surgical control over the routing in their, in their cluster, such that when you make a new deployment, you can maybe send 1% of the traffic. You know, and, and this new deployment is deep within a graph of, of services. You're able to control that, yeah, okay, for this particular group of user, we're going to actually send 1% of the, of the traffic over to this new service and, um, and just see how it behaves. Um, this, this type of low-risk deployment strategy is what the, the big Internet unicorns have had for a long time. But is, is fi- unless you built this yourself with duct tape and shoestring, which a lot of people did, you, this, this becomes very, very untenable for, for people. Now, the other side of that, the question about API management, I do see a, a, an intersection between what the API management system is doing at the low level, at the traffic levels and what the service mesh is, is doing. API management as a whole is quite different than, than service mesh in that API management is about enabling developers to expose APIs through documentation, defining policies about um, who's, who's allowed to use the APIs and handing managing keys and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and of course, where it gets into establishing policies around rate limiting and, and um, quota type uh, policies, mm-hmm. that's an area where the service mesh inter- intersects a bit and I think is, is a great place to plug into um, and, and use the service mesh for that kind of control and, and enforcement of the policies in, in the API management system. So, so you talked about kind of like how we got here and, and kind of the big you know, web giants, if you will, doing this stuff uh, themselves. And then, you know, we started to see some other projects uh, emerge that do stuff like this with. um, Now, what would you say, you know, is the reason that, you know, it seems that Istio is really taking, has reached an early consensus, uh, even though it's a pretty new project in the, in the field that this is, this is the way people want to go and this is the way it's going to go. What, there's things architecturally about it that, that make it that much better than what the previous approaches or, or why do you think that's really, uh, going in that direction? Yeah. So I, I don't think there were too many previous approaches. Um, there, there, there may have been a couple, but I think Istio 
Istio had the support initially, so it was kicked off really by uh, Lyft and IBM and and Google. And when Google comes out and saying that you know they're going to bring some of their internal um, scale learnings, the, the the history that they've had with their own internal API infrastructure to this project, I mean that just like they did with containers and Kubernetes, I mean that that carries some weight. Um, and now we see other, you know, Red Hat and and other vendors that are like, that, yeah, this this the way this looks architected with the abstractions that it has, the players involved, um, the fact that it fits really nicely with with Kubernetes and is going to and is going to continue to get better. Um, I think that those are some of the the uh, reasons why it's, there's sort of a a coalescing around Istio right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure we're going to see we're going to see see more implementations. I think uh, the folks over at Buoyant they've they've in, they're introducing their service mesh called uh, Conduit. I think folks at the traditional networking companies, um, I think F5, Avi Networks, these folks uh, they're they're introducing service mesh style um, implementations. So I I think there's going to be this this space is going to heat up. Yeah. What what do you see? You 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 get a chance to get out uh, quite a bit, whether you're talking directly to customers or or presenting at events, talking about these things. What do you find? Um, you know, people that say come up to you afterwards that are interested in this. What what types of problems do they typically say? You know, what that that sounds like it would fix. You know, this either this big pain point or a problem or something we have. Is it does it tend to be? You know, we we just we don't want to embed this in our in our business logic or are you finding other reasons why people are, are saying hey we're interested in in uh you know either playing with this implementing it whatever it might be yeah i think they are a, a lot of the customers that i'm talking to they are going down the path of deploying their applications in containers and they uh, for, for example kubernetes or openshift um the facilities that are kind of baked into OpenShift already don't don't force the operator or the owner of a service to really know or care what type of technology we're using, right? They don't have to be Node.js experts or Maven or Java experts to um, to, to operate and deploy their services, and so they're they are definitely looking for more more uh, language and. Uh, framework neutral ways of implementing some of these other concerns and um, the the resilience aspect the the Netflix OSS is, is is typically the big the big question that comes up because they've they've been going down this path but they're uncertain is this is this what the direction of the community is going to take is this still the right way I mean things move so fast they're they're kind of hedging their bets for uncertain well we see the trend to be going one way but um, what what's the right way to do this and you know, we've we've had answers. I've worked on communities in the past where we we would say, yeah, yeah, you can bring Netflix OSS over onto Kubernetes. We can make it just use the native Kubernetes functionality under the covers. Um, but I think now that uh, the service mesh is becoming more interesting, uh, people are talking about it more. It seems to solve some of those problems, those or those those feelings of, of problems that they had. Yeah, and, and do you find the people that that are asking these questions or, or showing the interest do they tend to skew more? towards the development side of the house or, or the operations side of the house? Um, I mean, since since routing and proxying sort of always used to fall under kind of network teams and operations teams, yeah. does it skew that way or is it is it still, is it developer-centric or, or kind of both? Yeah, it's in, 
In my observation, and since I talk a lot more with developers than I do with operations folks, that these are the developers that are talking about that. Um, and that, in, in my mind, that's a good thing. I think developers should know enough to care about the the fact that applications are talking about around uh, over the network, right? That they that they're going to have because in the past we had things like um, Corba. DCOM, RMI, Java RMI, these types of things that tried to completely make the remote calls look like they're local. Just don't worry about the network. That's not really there. This just it just is a local call. Don't worry about it. Um, but but now that they are, it, it seems like developers are much more aware of it, and they're interested in solving pro- that problem, and they want to do it uh, in an elegant way. So they're my conversations have mostly been with uh, with the developers. So the Next thing we question we get around this is like oh this this sounds great this this solves problems we have we, we're interested in doing this um, or you know we're, we're setting up a new Kubernetes environment and we definitely want to include this and then they look like ooh it's uh, they see the zero at the beginning of the the release version <laughs> and the next yeah. question is like well can can we use this is it is it ready and I think I mean I think a lot of uh, you know, the there's it seems to be a lot more um, awareness around open source that it's not you know like their traditional software releases where it's like well this is officially GA and good and and that type of thing. It's a little more complex than that. But what what would you say when it comes to you know the maturity of the pro- project overall, especially related to production? Yeah, yeah I would say that um, if you, you should be looking at this technology, you should be bringing it in and at least POCing it and understanding what are the benefits and when to use it, when not to use it. Um, I think from a, let's get this into production, there are existing folks in the community that are um, brave enough to put this into production. And you know we, we, we see some of that feedback. But for our traditional enterprise customers, I would caution against doing that right now. Um, I, would, I, w- I would say give it a little bit more time in the community to bake, at least get it to a 1.0, or at least where the community is comfortable saying, okay, this, this might be production ready now. Um, but, you know, of course, I, I, you know, I, I work with these, these companies that are very, you know, performance or, or worried about performance, worried about security, worried about all, all these, all these things that they should be. And I think that's where when, when Red Hat comes into this and, and productizes this, um, that when Red Hat puts its stamp on, on it, I, I would then have a lot more confidence in, in saying, go ahead and put this into production. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of wrap it up just from a, from a time perspective, but you're, you're somebody who always, uh, has, you know, a lot of different irons in the fire. Um, you know, you've written books before you're, you're out on the road, you're, you're talking to people. What are some of the places that, um, you're going to be out and about maybe the next couple of months, either publicly speaking, or do you have any books, uh, you know, that you're working on or any, you know, any big uh, kind of blog series that you're working on that people should be kind of, uh, keeping an eye on or be aware of? Yeah, so definitely the uh, I blog a lot, um, and I, I put together a series of blogs depending on what's interesting at the time. I'm um, hoping to be working on a book on Istio. Um, I'll be at the Dev Nexus conference in um, in Atlanta. I think that's the second to last week of February, and then I'll also be at the O'Reilly. Um, the O'Reilly Software Architecture Conference in New York at the end of February. Uh, hopefully, I'll be at Red Hat Summit. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Christian Posta. I, I, I try to um, bring up in- interesting conversations on Twitter. 
but yeah, my blog, Twitter, conferences every once in a while. And then, you know, if you're a customer of Red Hat, absolutely. And you have, and you have questions about these types of things, then absolutely reach out to Red Hat and they can pull me into the, to those discussions. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, we will get all that uh, into the show notes for anybody who's uh, not writing this down while they're listening. Um, we'll, get a, we'll get a bunch of other stuff that you've been doing lately. You, you, know, you gave a talk yesterday in Atlanta that really walks through this, does a nice job of it. So we'll get all that in the show notes for folks. Um, Christian, thank you so much for the time. I know we, we could probably dig into this for, for a long time, but we, we keep wanting to give people as new emerging technologies come along. We want to keep giving them you know, a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, kind of what is it, what is it, problems does it solve? And uh, thank you for all the insight today. We definitely uh, will have to have you back on when the uh, when the book starts gets going, or, or when we get to say like one of Istio and sort of see where it's where it's evolving to. Yeah, I had a great time, and I absolutely appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on. Thank you, folks. With that, we're going to wrap it up uh, for myself, Tyler, and uh, and for Christian. We're going to wrap it up, and uh, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.